Hello, I'm Conrad Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, we'll be talking with Matthew Nash, a MELD ambassador, and together we'll be catching up on all the updates of MELD. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, Matt. It's nice to have you here today, and thank you for taking the time to jump on the Cardano Convo podcast. Happy to be here. So I've got a couple of questions. First, for our viewers or listeners at home, what is MELD? Yeah, without scrolling through the uh, first pages of the white paper, just because I'm sure this has been answered a, a ton, but the very short of it is it's a decentralized finance following lending protocol. The most simple answer is that. And so we're... We're scheduled to launch on January 31st. Um, we think we have some interesting set of features and product and services that set us apart. One of our big pitches is, of course, the genius loan, the, the, the loan that repays its own principal, as well as later on when protocol launches having fiat money, which a lot of people are reticent to do for, you know, optics for regulatory reasons and whatnot. But we're trying to be ambitious and trying to set ourselves out in the pack. So, I think that's part of the reason we ended up getting so much popularity and interest, though. Oh, yeah. I know Meld is one of the most well-known names in Cardano. And I know they talk, a lot of people talk about decentralized banking and how, I mean, cryptocurrency moves towards decentralization. So I'm glad Meld is taking on that ambition because I know it's, it hasn't, couldn't have been easy all these months of work, I imagine. Yeah, well, I think firstly, and this is my, my personal opinion, I think the decentralized aspect of it is probably the strongest um, aspect of the protocol, only because you don't have a central entity that can be, you know, have risk, be at risk of attack or something like that, have really problems with sort of traditional custodial issues. Uh, you look at Mt. Gox back in 2014, their famous failure of uh, the biggest exchange in the time of Bitcoin. And so we think that having everything run by a protocol and not a centralized entity is actually a lot more robust for security, among other things. And again, at the end of the day, with your crypto, with your collateral, you don't ever give it up to a central authority. It always stays in your custody. So that's why it's called a non-custodial protocol. So. Oh, exactly. And I know, for example, we've all heard about the hacks, whether it be Polygon Network ha hack, or if it's multiple exchange hacks, the Binance hacks, et cetera. And as you said, yes, when you get away from all the eggs being in one basket, as you were talking about that custodial wallet, and you start mm -hmm. having it to where multiple wallets can just exchange, mm -hmm. it's really hard to, to steal it because it's not all in one area. So yeah, I, I can see the need for a decentralized exchange, a decentralized banking system as well. Because again, how do you rob a bank if the bank is in everyone's wallet? Yeah, right. It's, a, it's actually a more secure, secure form of everybody putting the... Uh... The uh, cash back into the mattress, so to speak. But <laughs> I want to say this though: it's not without its risk too. Like Charles Hoskinson himself said, the, is the thing that keeps him most up at night is um, poorly, uh, poorly designed smart contracts and DApps that you know have leaky security. Because we talk about the Cardano ecosystem, we talk about how there's been tons, billions lost in DeFi hacks over time in Ethereum. But that's not to say that you know. For, for all the security you have in Cardano, someone can still come along and create a suboptimal um, smart contract on any given platform, maybe a very obscure platform, but it could end up having, you know, leaks, security issues, anything. And like what we saw with other ones and other ecosystems, uh, that, that, that possibility is always there. So instead of like having a centralized entity with uh, commercial grade resources who still get hacked, but that attracts a lot of people, a lot of hackers, you might find uh, you have more esoteric ones here and there. But I think also that decentralizes the risk as well. You don't have one large entity in which to like a Mount Gox, for example, right? So there's trade-offs there all the time. And I want to make, make it absolutely clear that just because it's decentralized doesn't mean it's impregnable. So. Oh, exactly. It's, it's a trade-off, of course. There's when you have decentralization, it's only going to be as good as the code. And if the code is flawed, the system will be flawed. Whereas with a centralized system, if the central entity is flawed, then the system is flawed. So it's mm -hmm. just trading off what is important there. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I, I completely understand that. Um, one question I did have is, 
a lot of us expected meld to release on the 8th and now the release date has is been moved to january 31st can you explain why meld has moved it back and what delayed the launch from december 8th to its new date and uh, there's, there's probably a bunch of reasons uh one, I think, because the Cardano mainnet is evolving and there's more changes coming down the pipe, as the as a conversation has grown between uh, the Melt team, specifically the engineering team and IOHK, there's been a lot more back and forth about what a mainnet needs and what a DAP needs and what it can do. First, you know, it, they don't just operate in isolation, right? So I think as we've seen the roadmap evolve for the mainnet. We realized like the factors that we're building on top of changing, and uh, every time it happens, you need to reevaluate your protocol and where you're at with security, with scalability, with everything. And so I think the team just took a look at it and said maybe we should back up here and then see this new iteration of the mainnet and to you know go from there because you know you don't want to all of a sudden day one launch into something that's on a on a layer on a um, on layer one is all of a sudden about to change in a fundamental way. Even the IOHK team has said themselves that even a change in the block size has security implications too, right? So obviously that affects us. And as you've seen with, um, I'm sure you, you've noticed too, in the conversations with Hi and whatnot, that he's big on security. And we have Hatchy. And like I think one of the great things about Meld is that, at least from an engineering standpoint, it really follows that do your due diligence ethos that IOHK has with like trying to build once, build it right, but being slow and thorough. Everybody gives Cardano. Uh, a lot of crap for oh smart contracts you know smart contracts have been available on all the platforms for so long why did it take Cardano so well you know do it once and do it right and I remember seeing like uh, Vitalik on Lex Friedman's podcast and then after Charles Hoskinson and Vitalik was more of the opinion that he doesn't put as much weight in formal testing and whatnot not that to say that they don't because Vitalik's obviously an extremely smart guy yeah uh, but he doesn't believe in have, trying to line up all the stars first to do everything right. And it's like, you, there's a certain learning you have to do and you can only do in a live environment. Whereas I think Meld is much more in line with the Cardano ethos. And I think it also part of it too is that you really want to get it right. Because in, in, especially in gaming and software development, there's thing, this concept called handshake. As well as like, you're basically your first impression. And it's really important to get that right. And if you screw that up, you lose out on a whole bunch of initial momentum. Right, because from there, people are going to be wanting to talk about the protocol and and your product and whatnot. And if you don't get the initial phase right, then you really hamper yourself out of the gate. So I think you know, the team is very diligent, very to a fault, and so I think that's where they stand on that. So, oh yeah, and I like the way that you put that, or what it's called in the industry, a handshake, because it's yeah. very much that's. What I worry about when I see a lot of projects go live is, for example, if you rush out the gate, you go the Ethereum way as opposed to the Cardano way, it can put into question your capabilities. Like if Meld, let's say, released on the 8th, like that's a that's a boon. Okay, they released on time. That's a good thing. But if the product is bad, once you launch a bad product, that will like be a shadow for the project for a long time. And it will yeah. take much more work than a, a little over a month delay to fix that huge reputation problem you've now created. So I yep. think, especially if they're able to deliver on the 31st, which I don't really have many doubts that they will, then mm -hmm. I think the delay will be a benefit for the Cardano ecosystem and an even bigger benefit for Mel. Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that it's much better to get it right and be certain about everything than to just try and meet deadlines to make the, you know everybody, and especially your detractors, happy. I think that's... I don't think that's the best way to go about it. And we've seen like if we're all gamers, we saw what happened to Cyberpunk 2077. Not exactly an apples to oranges comparison, but there's definitely value in taking your time and much. And you know, like if you take another gamer example, look at Blizzard. They're famous for you know saying it's ready when it's ready, and they 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 could take years between products. But up until maybe these past few years, where they've made some errors prior to that, they had an absolutely stellar reputation, and almost no company in the gaming sphere was able to maintain that level of sterling reputation in development because games are hard and software development is very hard there's a lot of moving parts and it just takes one little thing out of place to to bring it all crashing down so due diligence is extremely important and so they're 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 saying i think blizzard was just 
it's it'll be ready when it's ready. And I think meeting deadlines for the sake of meeting deadlines is not a good rationale for meeting deadlines. It's you meet deadlines because you've got the product ready. And I I know that Meld is going about that in the same way. Um, With regards to, for example, some of the things we touched on a little bit earlier, Meld is creating this decentralized banking protocol. But with banking and finance, a lot of nations, a lot of countries have a lot of stipulations for what banks or financial institutions have to be what they have to do, certain lines that they can't cross. How is MELD balancing all that? Because I know, because cryptocurrency doesn't have boundaries per se, how are they balancing that all out? Well, obviously, the United States market is more challenging. That's that's hard mode for sure. And we plan on releasing certain products later in the United States market than others, just because that regulatory environment is, I think a lot of what uh, the other uh, crypto players like Coinbase and everybody else is saying is that it's just uncertainty. You know, people don't know uh, because I think you know, places, other entities, regulatory entities are still figuring out this is a new space. But that is not to say that they might come to, come down with an idea and then figure out later if it was right or not. And of course, a lot of the times that requires a court challenge if, uh, if an agency is overstepped. And oftentimes they have such resources that even if they're wrong on a, on a legal level, you still suffer, you know. So that's the there's still a lot of fact finding in this space. So obviously, the decentralized protocol, you're not working with a central entity. You're working with code that's executed by a bunch of nodes. So there's a difference there. You, it's almost like more of a commutative thing between two people wanting to engage in a contract between each other with the liquidity pool. As I'm not a lawyer, so I'm just I'm just trying to really abstract this as best I can. Because this is obviously not my wheelhouse, and this is probably yeah. the most difficult thing to talk about in DeFi and in crypto. Because even the people who are the smartest in the room about this stuff, they don't even know. You know, Coinbase has very good lawyers, and even they're sitting there being, um, "We would like to know too." <laughs> yeah. So I can only speculate on a very superficial level there about the regulatory environment. But basically, our plan is to. It's easier when you do crypto to crypto. Let's say that because that's it's a more Defined asset as like a commodity in a lot of places, so it doesn't. It's not subject to the same kind of rules as fiat is. But again, I'm I'm sort of going based on the on the level that I know, which is very high level, and I can't. It's hard for me to go on a deeper level, especially on legal matters like that. So, but the main the main product going for the main purpose at the beginning is crypto to crypto lending, and basically being able to use your assets and stay long on them. And you know, not having to sell them if you need capital, which would trigger capital gains, right? Yeah. You want to be able to go long in your assets and just take out a loan. And so you keep getting getting presumably having the value of those those collateralized assets go up and not have to worry about tax implications. Oh yeah. And I know it even if you're a lawyer, like the best lawyer, for example, in the United States, that doesn't mean you know how banking works mm-hmm. in Indonesia or in Germany, you wouldn't know how any, like you typically won't have an idea directly on how to go about those things. So, of course, we don't expect legal advice from you at all or anything in that regard. But I know that that's going to be a tricky situation. And I know you guys have been working on that tirelessly because, again, just as you said, even if the best people in the room are going, we'd, we'd really like for somebody to tell us how to go about this, because like even the people who are putting the laws forward don't have they don't have a black and white line that they're like this is where we draw like it's very gray very and sometimes gray. different agencies end up having turf wars and nobody quite knows who's in who's in charge sometimes one versus the other it's like do we take care of this do you take care of that oh you exactly know? and so each 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 country has its own laws and then each state or province has its own laws within that and then you have you know supranational laws like the eu body and whatnot. So it just there's there's a lot of different layers there, and there's so many different idiosyncrasies. And I think that's part of the reason why the legal aspects are difficult is because there's so many different layers and different ways of approaching it with different jurisdictions. So there's, there's a lot of permutating possibilities, there, right? So oh, yeah. the answer is different depending on where you stand from and who's you know who you are, right? So oh, exactly. And as you said, it becomes a much more of a problem. Once you start interacting directly with that country's fiat currency, 
As soon yeah. as you start having, for example, meld directly to US dollar or mm-hmm. meld directly into Euro or vice versa, you start running into those specific legislations. So one question I wanted to ask is, um, with regards to modern banking, with regards to the modern financial system, how is MELD competing with this legacy banking system? I know, again, working as a DeFi banking system, what makes MELD a competitor and what gives Med- MELD that edge? I would say there's a bit of a merging of interests. Like, we're not custodial. Banks, by definition, are. And obviously, I think it's pretty obvious what DeFi's value proposition is. And so I think more of the question is like not so much what we know what we're doing. And I think most of the audience knows what we're doing. I think it comes down to what are the banks going to be doing, right? How are they going to change their value proposition? Because we've already, we've basically the DeFi space has compared itself to banking that infinitum because that's the, that's <laughs> the established order, right? Yeah. But I think, I think banks will have to sort of understand their role in a bigger ecosystem where they have to share, compete for capital more because they haven't had to. They were the only player. I mean, it made sense. I talked about the analogy that now crypto is like sort of a digitized version of storing our cash back in our mattresses again. But the whole reason people stopped doing that was for various reasons. It wasn't practical. And hauling around gold bullion or some sort of physical store of value was obviously a pain, right? And uh, the whole reason, well, banking was convenient. And if you want to pay someone else, you have to go through their bank and whatnot. Like they, they have to communicate. And so... I think now, because of decentralization, because of crypto, because of DeFi, you know, the proverbial cash into the matches is actually much more practical again, because everything is digitized, right? Not to work in this corporeal world when we're changing value. But at the same time, I don't think there will ever not be a need for a custodian of assets. There are places in the world where you might want to, you have to write down your keys somewhere. Most people aren't remembering them off the top of their head. Uh, so you can opt to do that, but it comes with its own risks. But there are places in the world where you might not want to do that. It might not be safe to do so. You don't have the infrastructure there to safely feel like you store your keys or whatnot. So I think there will always be a role for custodians. Now, what kind of shape that'll take, I can't quite say. But I think there's going to be an interesting rebalancing of services offered. And of course, the whole value proposition here is that you are your own financial agent. And so instead of the bank making all that money off of your capital, you're making all that money off of your capital. And that's basically the base model of how banks work. So that's going to be very challenging. But at the same time, um, I think banks still have a great role to play because I think as in crypto, we want to move away from fiat currency, but I think it'll always have a place, right? Yeah. And so banks fundamentally deal in that world. That's still their domain. And I think it will stay that way for a very long time because crypto is trying to not be that domain. So, so to speak. And banks, uh, one of the things we're doing at Meld is trying to work with banks as fiat owners, as partners. I don't think it necessarily has to be an adversarial relationship. I think it needs, I think it could be understand which, which, what does the DeFi space, does crypto do this better? What does banking traditionally do better and still keep doing better? And so we want to make it so that it's easier for people to directly get their assets on because banks, have a whole bunch of regulatory uh, or regulations they have to follow, right? In terms of risk, in terms of capitalization. And they don't, banks don't like exposure as much as they like something like fees, right? And yeah. so being a fiat online partner is great for them because they don't have to have direct exposure to assets, especially ones that is volatile with crypto. But if you would like to transfer your money onto a lending protocol, they're happy. Many of them are happy to help you do so because the amount of hurdles sometimes it takes to go from A to B to C to D in the crypto world, up and down all these different services, all these different layers to finally get yourself on a DeFi protocol. There's many different places in between that take a cut every time, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of financial drag. It's not capital efficient. And so banks could see an opportunity where, hey, we can take a big cut because we were already facing a lot of financial capital drag between all these points, but you also have the temporal convenience. One stop shop. There you go. So I think there's there's definitely a melding of interest, and not to use a pun there, of interest between <laughs> us and the and the traditional financial world. I think they'll always have a place. But I we know what our value propositions are, DeFi. But I think it's a matter of really making them work with what traditional banking still does best and will continue to do best. <laughs>
Yeah, and I, I can see what you're saying there because it would be very difficult for MELD to keep track of, for example, as we were alluding to earlier, the legalities of on-ramps, like banking on-ramps, and having to create those new on-ramps when you mm-hmm. can use the existing legacy system to create these on-ramps. And again, as you said, because in the road from point A to point Z, there's many tolls that are taken on that currency, whether you're doing a wire, whether you're just sending it, for example, an on-ramp from my bank to Coinbase, then moving Coinbase over to, like, because I changed it to USDC, turning it over to Binance, you're getting nickeled and dimed all the way there. If the bank can go, well, it takes about 10% for them to get to their end destination, I'll charge five. They can make that 5% fee when they were only doing the initial, which was maybe like 1%, let's say. So I can, I think that's an excellent way to go about it. And that's something I didn't really think about too much. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't see fiat currencies going away. I think at the end of the day, states will always want to have some sort of sovereignty over control, over control of their currencies because it helps them that way. For example, a decade ago, when we had the uh, euro crisis with the, the Greek economy, um, having a suffering a, a, a debt crisis, their problem was that they were using a currency that they could devalue. You know, they're a small economy; like they couldn't, they didn't have much wiggle room to be able to move the euro. And when you're an export-driven economy, it really helps to be able to lower the value of your currency to make your products more attractive to people outside. But they didn't have that power, right? Yeah. So having your own central currency has a lot of value and it gives you more flexibility. Obviously, there are trade-offs. Having the euro brought in a whole bunch of capital, but you also give away some freedom there too. Yeah, I'm not an economist, but you can see whether why always be a reason for nations to always want to have their own native currency. Oh, exactly. And again, there's there's that trade off. It's what is in the person's best interest and the government's best interest in trying to find some happy medium in between. So, mm-hmm. of course, and so we've been talking about banking. We've been talking about DeFi. So let's jump into something that Meld has recently released some articles on Um, the Meld NFTs the Meld Bank Manager NFTs. Can you tell us a little bit about those, what we can expect? Because a lot of people who participated in the Meld ISPO are, there's a lot of questions we have. Oh, yeah. Um, we were obviously getting a lot of questions about the NFTs on Discord and on Telegram. I mean, any anytime you mention NFT, people go, oh, what's up, you know? Um, I think the first, the reason we made these, I think was more than anything, an experiment and a curiosity. But also, we wanted to be able to add, reward people for participating and being part of this. We thought, you know, we know, like, most people can see what NFTs is like to use, like, that popular joke, you know, internet JPEGs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you right-click saving my, my JPEG and speculating on, at, like, these art assets that may go up or down? Yeah, it's so much more than just, you know, speculation on digital art. In fact, NFTs confer utility. They confer rights depending on the protocol they're launched on. And so people talk about in the future using NFTs to offer proof of ownership of, say, property, you know, and they can be used as instruments as well, like uh, yield generating instruments, which is where we're looking at it. And we decided, hey, what would be really cool is if we offered these NFTs that confer rights, well, the protocol itself confers the rights on the NFTs. The NFTs don't really do anything. They're just sort of like a piece of paper saying, hey, I have these privileges. In relation to this protocol, right? And so we thought, hey, it'd be cool if we gave them different tiers to higher yields. And so there's one, two, three, four, five different tiers, and you get the percentage tiers of how much meld you can get extra if you didn't have an NFT. And so you'd have to do different activities in order to up those up those tiers, right? And so we thought it would be a great way to get the community doing different things. Like, you know, creating Twitter account, creating, spreading awareness of the protocol and other things that I don't think we've announced yet. So I, I can't tell you about those just yet. But basically, each year is tied to a function that I think would help people learn about DeFi and help also spread word about our protocol. It's sort of a two-in-one kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And the trek of Meld has been quite long with the ISPO, for example. It's been going on for a while, um, many questions along the way, of course. And a lot of people, for example, had concerns of MELD's effect on the ecosystem. For example, the ISPO, you had a couple pools up and running. 
Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people were worried about that. But can you tell, because I found this the most interesting and I applaud Meld for thinking this is the first step for leveling up that bank manager. Um, can you tell our audience what the first step to level up their bank manager to level one from zero is? It is to redelegate to a pool that is not ours. <laughs> cool. I'm sorry. Like when I saw that, I'm like, holy cow, that's great thinking. Like you're rewarding people for saying, hey, if you were going to take these pools down, if you don't move them, then it's going to be similar to the IOG pools that still have a couple like million ADA in them. You won't be earning anything. They'll be dead pools. Like here, go back in, like, into the ecosystem. Like we're not making an oligarchy. We just needed funding to get this DeFi project up and running. So it's just been a boon to the like Cardano ecosystem the whole time. To me, just that blew my mind. Well, like by definition, ISPOs aren't supposed to last forever. They're not supposed to be perpetual like stake pools. And yeah. so I made this point before is that you know, smart contract functionality now just coming online and all these dApps really getting in a place to get ready to launch. All this, everybody realizes Cardano is getting ready to go. And uh, this is an exciting time. There's functionally the reason, unless you're Bitcoin, and I think Bitcoin is a place as a store of value. I think it has, I think, it has a lot of utility there, but all, pretty much every, every other ecosystem has smart contract capability on it. And its whole raison d'etre is to have uh, dApps on them, right? And so right now, I think because everybody realizes Cardano is getting ready to you know, show the world what it's got, this is what I like to call ISPO season. And so we just concluded ours, but no sooner did ours finish, many more spooling up. Uh, Occam's is still going on. Sunday swaps about to do their ISO, which is different. Um, I want to make that clear. Um, then you have uh, Maladex, who we partnered with. Uh, you have Genius Yield about to launch theirs. And I'm sure there are others in the pipe that I'm not aware of. So with all this functionality coming up, people realize, oh, hey, I can build a dApp now because we got such a place that we can actually launch it. So people were starting to look like, oh, hey, this is the time. And so I call this now ISPO season. Oh, yeah. And it seems to be a lot healthier than the previous season of just crypto in general, not Cardano, but just crypto in general. I'm sure you remember the, the ICO. Yep. Yeah. 2017. Again, not all ICOs were bad, but it seems the season of ISPOs is a lot healthier. It's at mm-hmm. least for right now, it's looking that way. And again, when Meld was doing just even starting out with that, I saw that and I'm like, what a genius way to like take advantage of, possible funding because for example there's project well, no, yeah I have, to, I have to point that out others came up with it we were just in a place to be able to leverage it first or i'm not even sure if we were the first but i think we were they we you guys weren't the first um okay. ken when we talked he said yeah. sunday swap actually did it first mm-hmm. but they kind of like fell off like popularity wise it kind of like went to the foreground until they came back to the like in front of everyone again but then meld like ken said Oh, I came up with something. He told Hi about this, and Hi mm-hmm. was like, "No, somebody's done this before you." And he's like, "Well, I guess I'm not first, but mm-hmm. it, you're one of the most popular examples of an ISPO on the Cardano blockchain for sure." Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, that's probably not not much in debate between anybody. Yeah, uh, it's been an interesting ride, and it's it only just recently ended, and we're just like, okay, what's next? And so I think, yeah, a big portion of the reason that the first tier. Of those NFT evolutions was to make sure you wouldn't have all these people because, like, setting up an announcement NFT had a lot of people coming back to the Discord and being at least I'm more on the Discord side than Telegram, and a lot of people coming back. Hey, I heard about this NFT. I haven't been checking in very recently, very frequently. And like, well, it's good that you have because now you need to send your ADA somewhere else. The last thing we wanted was with ten pools. That's a lot of ADA. We didn't want people just forgetting when the ISPO ended. And also, uh, even though we changed launch date, the ISPO essentially still ended at the same time. And so we want people to come have a reason to come back to our, 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 our community hubs and our information channels to, get, to also learn, like, hey, you should be moving your ADA now. And hey, here's a bunch of great products who are doing cool things. So you can move on to people that we like, but functionally, as long as you're not in one of our pools, <laughs> yeah. move that ADA, keep staking, keep getting something out of it. Oh, exactly. And again, I just looking at that, the amount of, I don't know if there was a lot of foresight, but the... The way that you guys are helping people to go, okay, like we we're done here. You didn't go, we're going to just extend it. Oh, let's extend it till the January 31st. And, mm-hmm. and then let's just change the number of like calculations, except like none of that was done. You guys stuck to that. You still mm-hmm. 
got the funding that you needed and you're just only delaying just for the sole reason that you want to release a really good product. So again, that there's no yeah, there's no ISP how ISPO happening in this time between the token drop and when it ended uh, two epochs ago. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, for the Mel Bank Manager NFT, is it true <laughs> that it'll only cost three ADA for those who are partaking in the ISPO? Yeah, it's basically just the minting fee because a cost is a trend is a transaction on the blockchain, so obviously it has a, a cost associated with it. So that's basically, yeah. And you'll get, I think, a portion of that refunded. Like, awesome. I have to go back to the literature, but yeah. Basically, we're setting it at three ADA. Um, just we're not making any money off it. We just want to cover the costs of actually minting it. Oh, cool. And I know, so one thing that got a couple of us confused, and when I was in a Twitter space asking people, do you have any questions for Meld? Because we're doing this interview. One of them asked, I saw it said one-time use. So if I do all this work, I get this NFT. Let's say I level it up to level five. I earn 5% extra. Is that just a one-time use and it's exhausted? It's been used up? Or is it, for example, is there some more nuance to it than that? Oh, yeah. So I talk about this, the idea of mutable properties on NFTs, right? So you can do this where you have a certain aspect of it that can change state. And so in this case, the the ability for it to generate yield on the protocol, the protocol will say, hey, here's this NFT, the level five, tier five has it has the privileges, has the rights to earn an extra 5% yield, but there's a certain time. And so once you've exhausted that time of the yield period, it will no longer be able to do that. The, the protocol will say, hey, your, your yielding period has expired. Now it's not to say the NFT would be totally useless because again, like I keep telling people, it's the protocol that confers the rights on the NFT. That's the one that ultimately dictates what the NFT can actually do. The NFT is, again, just a piece of paper saying, hey, I've got this thing. But at the end of the day, we could make it so that, hey, we thought this was successful. This was really cool. We want to renew them again. We want to be able to renew these periods of staking. And maybe we could tie other activities or other things into that. Uh, basically, if you're someone who frequently uses the protocol, Maybe that will entitle you to recharge it. I don't know. But basically, the, the sky's the limit. Whatever. And we might take a lot of feedback from the community as to what kind of activities they want to see make NFTs regenerative. Now, this, at the same time, that's not to say we will. There's a reason. Like, we decided to be conservative. We didn't want to make them yielding in perpetuity. It's like once you offer that out in the ether, you can't really take it back. You know, you will rightfully piss off a lot of people. So we want to manage expectations and set, do an experiment with changeable properties, right? And yeah. then once we've seen how it works in, in the ecosystem, go from there, right? Oh, of course. Like and, I say, a big part of them was an experiment, so. Oh, yeah. And that, that was something I was curious about because, again, there are some DEXs that are doing something similar, for example, like Vi Finance, as I've shown you. Um, they have it to where you can take one of their Wi-Fi NFTs. They're using them. They're giving them out in certain giveaways. They were selling them, etc. And then you can then put them on their exchange into their vault and earn either Meld or it could be other currencies as well. So like Flickr or Cardax, etc. So I didn't know if Meld was going to go down the same path, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like we have the NFTs and they have this utility but we're looking into possible other utilities for them, of which none are set in stone yet. Correct. Okay. Right now, they're just going to yield you extra mail tokens. If it ever gets more sophisticated than that, we'll let you know. But right now, like I say, we want to be a bit more conservative and just so we could see how it plays out and go from there. So, yeah. But I, at the end of the day, we want to experiment with changeable properties. So. Oh, completely understandable. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are taking more of that cautious route, even though I'm sure we would all love to know exactly what's going to happen in the next. I, we do understand that anytime something is said, it will be taken as this has been set in stone. Look at this link. Here you go. So again, I completely understand the caution with that. Yeah, it's all about managing expectations because we don't want people misinterpreting what we said. It's like, hey, I, like people coming to us, why is it that I'm no longer getting these deals while well, we said this, but we want to make it absolutely clear. I don't think this has a certain period attached to it. So, um, One other question I had is, so Meld has had many partnerships, for example, with Cardano, Polygon, and other blockchain ecosystems. But I have a couple of questions about partnerships. 
There have been so many rumors going around about Mel being partnered or partnering at some point in the future with ADAX. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know anything about this or have there been any talks about this? I know, again, this has been a rumor that's been going on for a couple of months. So I just wanted to see what was all or what was all the hubbub about. Yeah. Um, I remember you, you were in this a lot of same uh, places, spaces that I was when I think a lot of that was, was happening exactly. in the ambassador chats and whatnot. And I think this was what around the time of September, and so we were getting people back in RTG asking about us about ADAX, and we're just like, what? And so I think with any project, when it comes to partnerships, like someone will come up to you and start a conversation. That doesn't—that's just starting a conversation and seeing what each project can offer, right? It's not yeah. exactly like a sign to say, hey, this is now written on paper and we can go. And as best as I can understand it, because yeah, we were both there. I think it was maybe August. But I think it was early September. Or something oh yeah. Like and we just were getting bombarded with questions in our in our in our Telegram and whatnot. It's like, hey, what's the thing with ADAC partnership? What's the thing with ADAC partnership? I'm like, what? And so, as best as I, I'm just speculating that maybe they started talks with Mel, and then they told their community, hey, there's a partnership coming, and we're just like, no. <laughs> and so, I think that's probably what happened. But in any case, we, if there's if we have a partnership, we announce it. And I will say this is that. We don't have any partnership with ADAX, and we don't plan to have a partnership with ADAX. That is not in the future. So there is no partnership there. Okay. And I know I I was kind of wondering that the same because, I again, as you said, I was kind of there too when I kept hearing about all these things. Mm-hmm. And from what I had heard, it was somebody from the ADAX community having said that this was going on, even though talks had just begun in the same way. Like, if I want to make a deal with you, I go... Hey, I want to talk about a deal with you. And you're like, okay. And then going, if I went out and said, Hey, we've got a deal. It's like, that's a little presumptuous. So that yeah. might've been the case from what I've heard as well. That's my best guess. <laughs> yeah. Either, yeah. Somebody talked to somebody else and then decided, yeah, presum- presumptively that there was a thing there. That is definitely not the case. Oh yeah. And so while we're talking about, for example, partnerships, bridgings between different blockchains, I think it's only fair to be talking about the Adamatic bridge. So I know everyone has heard about the ERC-20 bridge that um, is being worked on in the Cardano space. And of course, it's gotten a lot of popularity because Ethereum is second in market cap right now. It's one of the biggest smart contract platforms. If not, it's the biggest platform. Yeah. Yeah. But then, for example, there's Ada or there's the Matic slash Polygon bridge that is being worked on. I think it's a collaboration between Meld and Vent that are working on that, correct? Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that? So one of the big things uh, that we said in White Paper, one of, the, one of the big ideas that we're proponents of is composability, which is really just the, the ability to in- interlink different ecosystems through, to give you a very simplified answer, right? And that's the whole point of um, Polygon. Polygon in the Ethereum um, ecosystem is basically trying to make it so that sidechains can talk to each other, composability, because it's very difficult. You know, somebody, some service like Avio built be built on one other layer two or sidechain. Uh, and so you might have to go through Arbitrum down to the base layer and not through another one on a Uniswap and whatnot. And again, that's so much drag, right? Um, and so Polygon is ambitious, very smart people behind it. And what they want to do is basically be able to bridge all these projects together without having to go up and down through the layers and whatnot. I mean, there's always going to be an element of that because Polygon has its own layers too. And so it was very natural. It's like, well, if this is a thing that seems to be in their wheelhouse and they seem to be the eminent player in composability, let's take that a step further and start bridging layer one ecosystem together, right? Because that's really what a bridge does is essentially it takes a token on one side locks it, takes it completely out of circulation and creates a new one whole cloth on the other side, right? So I was like, even though it has the privilege to be able to mint stuff essentially out of thin air, you have the assurance that the asset on the other side is completely taken out of circulation. So that there's always a one-to-one relationship. And so we thought, well, we've got, we've got the liquidity that's in the existing Cardano ecosystem, but there's all these other assets, these mature assets that are inside the Ethereum ecosystem. And so we thought, hmm, that would be great if we could, if it's if you're putting up crypto as collateral to get loans, why don't we bring all this other collateral from other ecosystems and really turn on the, the capital faucet? 
and expose our community, our users to, and everybody else users of other ecosystems, really use their collateral on our platform. Because one of the value propositions here of not just Mel, but Cardano is low transaction fees. You see the immense amount of volume that's going around the place and spending a fraction of what people are on Ethereum, you know, to be able to do the same things. And so I think that creates an opportunity to people who love DeFi and love being able to earn from their assets, but are on an ecosystem that's still um, figuring its way out through that because of its scale scaling issues. Offer them the opportunity to keep, because like capital is mercenary. It's going to go where it can get the best returns. And we want to be able to open that up to others to be able to go and be able to effectively use their capital in an efficient manner. So we got talking with some people and in the works is the Adamatic product, which we are launching the first uh, version of on January 31st to coincide with Meld in order to really present uh, Meld users, protocol users, with as much liquidity as possible, at least from the rest of the crypto space. And so the Ethereum network was the logical first place to talk about that, especially with people who basically make it their mission. Composability is essentially the, the reason being of the Polygon network. So it was a no-brainer. Oh, exactly. And the one thing I don't think people think about, they think we'll get more people that'll be using the Cardano ecosystem, but we need to think about it. Okay, if we get a bridge between, okay, let's say Cardano to Ethereum or vice versa, or Ada to Matic, vice versa, the Ada Matic bridge, it's, it's a way to get so much liquidity easily moving. And if the goal, especially of the Cardano ecosystem, is at some point pools will be making money based upon solely transaction fees at some point, like years down the line, we need to have a lot of transactions going around. We need, it, there's not just going to be one blockchain. For example, we need to get rid of this tribalism, this Ethereum's the greatest. It's like, no, there's not really a greatest blockchain. There's some, for example, that have high functionality in one compartment while others have higher functionality in different compartments. And who's to say, for example, it's the same thing with a store. If I go to a pharmacy, I'm probably getting medications. Like, it's not going to be the equivalent if I go to a Macy's to get, like, clothes. Like, no one would say, we've got the best store ever. It's like, it depends what you're buying, what you're aiming for. And, mm -hmm. for example, creating these bridges just have additional utility, not only for the ecosystems within, but for those blockchains as well. Because imagine if you're a Polygon user and you need to get move it over to Ethereum, for example, there might be bridges there, or let's say XRP puts together a smart contract or Binance, et cetera. And we have bridges. You can have a direct bridge through Cardano to any of these blockchains. That's an additional utility. And this additional liquidity helps, for example, the Sunday swaps, the melds, the vents, the eight axes, the Vi finances. It helps all these platforms. So I, again, I'm just surprised I haven't been hearing nearly as much news as I have about Ada, the Adamatic bridge. It's just, it's such a huge development. Like this interoperability is what third generation cryptocurrencies have been aiming to fix. One of the three main problems. And the fact that we're getting closer to that, I just am so surprised I haven't been hearing more about it. I think it's kind of flown on the radar because there's so many projects right now and there's only, as humans, we only have so much bandwidth to be able to consume so much information at the time, right? And so obviously, Meld is our main focus, but Adamatic has sort of been under the shadow of that. And I think a lot of people grasp you know, the value of a bridge protocol, right? But with all the other ISPOs coming out right now, with ours concluding with, you know, I think it's just there's so many projects soaking up the oxygen right now in the system. And that's, that's totally understandable. But I definitely want to make it known to people that Adamatic is, it, it's hard to understate how much liquidity and value we can bring to the MEL protocol. And so I, I really want people to keep that in mind. Like we're exposing uh, Melt to such a huge universe of other mature assets that definitely have proven their value and their worth to a lot of people. So it stands to reason that we could use those as collateralized assets as well. Oh, yeah. And again, just the genius loans having, for example, this possible interoperability. I cannot wait to see what the mature Meld network looks like. This ability, okay. for example, for me to be able to take out a loan, not even think about that, and have it paid back outside of paying back on interest, the principal being paid back on its own, just based upon having cryptocurrency backing it up. Just again, there's so much to it, so much that can be done. 
And I know, for example, there have been some critics about how much Ada Meld has been using, but I think once we see the end result, it'll be completely understandable that this is what was necessary to build such a large project, to build something that's such a boon for the Cardano ecosystem and crypto in general. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I tell people, like, it's the layer two ecosystem that's really going to give its respective layer one its value, right? And I think ISPOs are a great utility, a great tool, great vehicle for being able to bring in, you know, expose people to a project and be able to back them very easily and very quickly. And at the end of the day, we want, it doesn't have to be zero sum. I think we want every project that makes a stab at building something ambitious on Cardano to succeed. Because we all learn from each other, right? And so anytime something happens to one project, good or bad, we can all take that model and improve on it and iterate on it. And we all make better products for it. So I think the the ISPO model is great. (laughs) Again, for anybody who, there were a lot of complaints during the ISPO and using that model. But what, like, if one were to try to finance a DeFi platform, you could go through Project Catalyst, for example, but you'd have to constantly be seeking funding one way or another. And what better way to do it than for people to freely go, I'll exchange my rewards for your token. I, it's almost, it's not, but it's almost like I'm paying into the future of this project. And Absolutely. Exactly. So it's, I'm willing to give away my ADA rewards. And I know that was a lot of criticisms I had heard within the Cardano ecosystem is people don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. People are really good at risk analysis, at least when it comes to themselves. They'll go, if somebody saw Meld and went, okay, no, Meld, that's not going to work. It's not going to be good. They wouldn't delegate to the pool and give up their ADA rewards in exchange for Meld. But if they go, Meld is doing pretty well. I think they're going to be a project that goes long into the future. They'll delegate into those pools and then they'll have that Meld token later on. So I think. Even the Cardano ecosystem has looked at Meld and go, gone, yes. Even though there are some very loud voices that say, no, that's terrible. A lar- there's 10 pools worth of ADA willing to bet against that. And that yeah. alone already like fills me up with hope for the Meld project. Because I go, these people see the value, I see the value. And I think Meld is going to be a phenomenal project. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, not everybody's going to agree. But one of the really fascinating things about our ISPO was that 40% of the wallet addresses were first-time delegators. They didn't exist. And I think that's the thing about these ISPOs, they attract attention from outside the ecosystem and pull people in. And so people want to see what these projects can do. There's, oh, like I said, this is really the end game, I think, of most layer one, say, for Bitcoin. Yeah. And so uh, I think, again, a lot of people may have seen it as zero sum, but with 40% of the wallets just coming in for the first time, that wasn't 40% that got taken from somewhere else in the ecosystem. That was brand new. That was people taking their uh, Cardano, their ADA off exchanges and staking it themselves and doing their own analysis and thinking, this is worth the trade-off to me. Now, am I staking rewards for a stake in this project? Yes, it's more ambitious, but at the end of the day, I think everybody, you know, is there, that's the whole point of DeFi and crypto in general, make everybody their own financial agent be able to make those decisions. Oh, exactly. And it's kind of what you said about it being mercenary. People mm-hmm. saw this and they saw it as, oh, I'm going to go into that. And then once you guys ended the ISPO, you go, hey, you'll be able to mint for almost no charge this NFT that will provide value later on, mm-hmm. which, for example, I very much so intend on minting. And mm-hmm. then to go, hey, we have code so that when you undelegate from us or redelegate to another pool, which is specifically what it requires for that level one then you're taking that 40% that you brought in, 40% of the wallets that were new, that go back into the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. That, that's, again, it's such a boon to the ecosystem that it's hard for me to look, with, look at how some people have criticized and go like, there's got to be something else because everything they're doing is contrary, like as in to what I've been hearing. So every time I see what Meld is doing, I'm just like, oh, like that's very, like, well done. Like, Almost just like clap, good job. Like it's just well executed. Yeah, um, like I think every project's going to have its detractors, and especially if you sort of stake your position early on, there's a sort of path dependency there. And so 
it's hard when you, especially have a platform for yourself. It's hard, nobody likes to try and lose face when they're wrong. Yes. And so sometimes it's just mentally easier to keep going on the same path regardless. But I mean, you know, time will tell. We're, we're going to launch a product. It's going to be awesome. And we hope this, the product will sell. We'll do all the speaking we needed to do. So now vindication will be nice, but in the meantime, you know, we're just going to keep working on it. It's, it's been a pleasure. I know I've taken a bit of time out of your day, but again, yeah. I, I want to thank you for talking to us all about Meld, all the yeah. updates, all, for example, the NFTs, all that interesting stuff. I know that all of us have questions. I'm sure as time goes on, we'll have more. But again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Yeah, thank you for you know taking the time too to do this interview. I'm happy to talk about this till the cows come home. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcasts for you guys. Also leave us a five-star review. And if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo. Send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also make sure to check out our website at crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsors. First are our Patreons over on the Cardano Convo Patreon page. Their direct contributions help to make this podcast possible. By becoming a Patreon, you gain amazing benefits such as access to polls to help decide the content of upcoming episodes, early access to videos, roles and benefits within the Discord server, and so much more. Our second sponsor is Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and you're looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That is Loops, L-O-O-P-S. Lastly, I want to let our community know about an NFT game slash project that we are working on. The game is called Flooftopia, and more details can be found at flooftopia.org. There you can find access to our Discord server and to other socials, so make sure to check out our website to learn more. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.